This program is a part of the Full Press Radio Network. Find this and all of Full Press Coverage's shows on fullpressradio.com or free on the Full Press Coverage app, available now on the Apple and Google Play stores. This is Hall of Famer Alan Fanica, and you're listening to Ira and Clark on the iTest for Two. Welcome to round two of this week's Eye Test for Two podcast. I'm Clark Judge. I'm Ira Kaufman. And we are, of course, both Hall of Fame voters. And we're joined today, as we always are, by our Hall of Fame producer, Ian Glendon. But that's not all. We're also joined by newly elected Hall of Famer, class of 2021, Alan Fanica. Now, you should know about him, but if you don't, I'll give you a quick summary. Alan was a nine-time Pro Bowler, eight-time All-Pro, Super Bowl winner first team all decade member and now thankfully hall of fame inductee and ellen first of all thank you for joining us and second congratulations on an election that i know irena both think is long overdue i appreciate it thank you guys first question uh what or whom did you think of when david baker first came to your door banged on it and opened it to say you're now a member of the Pro Football Hall of Fame? Um, you know, actually, my wife and I had a little moment uh, in, in the hallway, you know, so they, they, they happened at the house this year. And uh, uh, so my wife and I actually had a moment uh, I, when he banged and we were facing each other. And, uh, you know, I just kind of thought about the journey, right? You talked about the journey of how long it is, you know, of a weight I've had. And, you know, that, that was what I thought of first. And, uh you know, her being there and, and just sharing it. Did she know it was coming? She did. She sat on it uh, for a couple of hours. She knew the night before because she had to set up me being there. And uh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how she sat on it. And, um, you know, funny thing is, so the night before she's doing all this stuff and I don't even I, I know nothing. I'm not I'm not picking up on anything. And she's getting nervous and we're getting ready for bed and we're just kind of climbing into bed, doing our thing, watching a little TV. And she leans over to me and she's trying to throw me off the scent. And uh, she goes, hey, uh, I think you're going to get in. But what if you don't? And I just look at her. I look at her and I'm like, <laughs> should I go get a liquor bottle? I mean, do we just need to start drinking right now? I mean, Jesus. Uh, but she knew already and uh, was just uh, trying to throw me off the trail. Well, we spoke last week to Hall of Famer John Lynch, who's also part of this class, and whose wife also kept it a secret from him. But um, we asked him this question, and I'm going to ask you as well. Uh, you heard me rattle off your list of accomplishments, and they're long, and I didn't even get to probably half of them. But you've been one of the most qualified candidates for years, yet you had to wait six years 
to have your name called by Canton. How frustrated were you and how did you remain patient? John Lynch remained patient as well. So did you. How did you do it? Uh, you know, I think the patience was exuded on the outside and in, uh, in interviews and in public setting. You know, there was definitely frustration on the inside. Uh, um, man, uh, I, you know, I, I can remember a, a, it was a brief conversation that Coach Cower and I had last year. The Steelers had kind of a, a, a family dinner with a lot of the Steelers that were in town. Uh, that night after the announcement was made after the honor show and and you know we went anyway I wasn't going to miss the opportunity to hang out with those guys and coach Coward didn't realize it and I never even told it to him yet man he kind of he kind of talked me off the cliff a little bit um, uh, a little bit you know just being being coach man still still being coach and and, and talk me off the cliff uh, it, it's frustrating and it, it grows and it's you know it's not just on me it's on it's on the family too so it's uh it's a challenging time. A quick, quick follow-up. How did he talk you off the cliff? What did he say to you? Uh, he just talked about patience and just about how, um, uh, you know, uh, how, I, how I've handled myself and carried myself through, through the process and uh, just alluded to how everybody respects that and, and you know, showing up to that, that meal that night. And, you know, uh, you know, when so many other guys in the room were, were celebrating and, uh, you know, just, uh, just stuff like that. Alan, this is a very Hall of Fame-centric show. Uh, we appreciate your time, Alan. I want to ask you about uh, a former teammate, Alan, in the, in, in the Steel City. Uh, you know, we call this the eye test for two, Alan, because sometimes you can't just go by statistics. And you got to watch the guy play. Have you seen the guy play? And Alan, one of the guys that I think of in that regard is Heinz Ward. Alan, Heinz Ward... You know, he, he's not going to have Randy Moss stats and, and Terrell Owens, but Alan, you played with him. I call him the ultimate glue guy on offense. Um, could you see a day that Heinz Ward uh, is, is being uh, uh, fitted for a gold jacket, Alan? Uh, you know, my first answer to that is I better because he deserves it. Uh, you know, he absolutely 100% deserves it. And like you said, he doesn't have the numbers per se like other receivers are going to have. Um you know, so I, 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 it kind of falls like we just talked about offensive guards, right? We kind of, you know, uh, linemen, offensive linemen, you know, but the, the things that he did, then it might not add up and he might not have the stats, but the, the impact he had on the game when he went out there and played it, you know, people tuned in to watch Heinz Ward and to see what Heinz Ward was doing. They came to games to watch Heinz and see the, the big hits and the blocks and the big plays and uh, uh, the reverses and the, and the passes. And, and they, they came to see Heinz Ward. And, you know, he deserves that gold jacket. And I just hope that one day he gets it. And he's not 60, 70 years old when he gets it because he deser deserves to get it and enjoy it. Alan, I want to take you back for a minute. Um, you know, a bit of a painful memory, Alan, 2001. I mean, the Steelers had a great team, 13-3, uh, and 10-point you know, favorites at home, AFC title game against New England. Um, and uh, – the running game, Alan, which had fantastic all season, all season. Um, you couldn't move the ball that day against New England for whatever reason. So, Alan, here's my point uh, in terms of Hall of Fame centric. You know, you, you, you guys were going up uh, against a defensive tackle on the other side named Richard Seymour. And Richard Seymour's just starting out his Hall of Fame campaign. Alan, he's waited a couple of years. He's another guy, Alan, not the greatest numbers in the world, but versatility, just a gamer. 
Um, how tough was Richard Seymour, Alan? So much respect for C. Um, you know, that game in 2001 you're talking about, you know, he was a young guy. And uh, after playing him, that was the first time I think we had played against each other. And uh, I had so much respect for him after the game uh, than I did going and just watching him on film, the things that he was able to do on the field. And, and how difficult he made uh, my job that day uh, gave me a ton of respect for, for who he was as a player on the field, for sure, especially as a young guy. We're with Alan Fanica, newly minted Hall of Famer Alan Fanica on the eye test for two. And Alan, I'm just sort of wondering, I asked you this before you got elected, but now that you have been elected, what does the Hall of Fame mean to you? Um, guys talk about how it changes their lives. I don't know that it does because we, we're not in it. But um, what does it mean to you? And I, I know when you were trying to get there, it was special. But now that you're in there, what, what's the significance? You know, I, I got a buddy that, uh, you know, the night uh, I found out, you know, he just kept he just kept rattling it off. He just kept saying it's immortality, you know, and the more he said it, the more it sunk in, the more I believed it. And I was, you know, the more I, I thought about it, you know, it's like the immortality of it uh, uh, is amazing. It's just, uh, you know, David Baker tells you that that bus is going to sit on those shelves in Canton for over 40,000 years. You know, my grandkids, grandkids are going to be able to see that. And that's that's something you can't buy. You can't buy that. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, it's a little bit. You know, people have respect. You're a professional football player. And, and, and all of a sudden, you know, people have more respect because all of a sudden you got a gold jacket on. And, you know, it's it's a little bit, I think, kind of like when I first got in the NFL, you know, I learned after a couple of years, well, I can do something with this besides playing football. I can I can help people. I can do do causes. And, and I kind of have that same feeling again, like, you know, this is going to open up some more doors for, for Julie and I to, to do some more things and, and maybe maybe even do some better things. Do you have any eyes on anything specifically? Uh, you know, we have our own charity and our own foundation, and uh, we do a lot with uh, a Glimmer of Hope in Pittsburgh as a, a breast cancer research uh, uh, that our friend runs, and we do a lot. And uh, we kind of we don't really lock in on one thing. We try to do a little bit here and there, and um, uh, you know, it just it seems it seems it's just from just from people approaching me already that it's going to be the same kind of uh, you know kickstart to some big things. Alan, you had such a great run in, in Pittsburgh, uh, but it didn't end, Alan, it didn't end the way you wanted it to after the 07 season, um, you know, and people talk about the family in Pittsburgh, but, you know, Alan, you're not the only guy that, uh, you know, left um, surprisingly at, at that point. And then, Alan, they win the Super Bowl, you know, the next year in, in 08 right here in Tampa. It was a fantastic game. Alan, I think I know the answer, but I'll ask you anyway. You got any? You got any regrets uh, uh, about uh, the departing the, the the Steel City um, after the 07 season? Uh, I I wish I could say I had regrets, but the, it was really taken out of my my control uh, the way it, way it happened, and uh, uh, you know there really wasn't a, a situation where I was going to be able to stay. Uh, so uh, you know. The regret is that I didn't get to win a Super Bowl with those guys, and uh, uh, that's that's really it. But I don't think there, there wasn't a path for me to stay there uh, between uh, the organization and myself at that time. Then you got to play with Brett Favre, right? Uh, what was that like, Al? That was great, man. <laughs> Brett Brett's great, man, and uh, you know he's uh, full of full of fire and energy, and uh, 
you know, we had a great run and uh, we just kind of fell apart there uh, at the end uh, that season. But uh, that was great. You know, never, uh, never planned on all of a sudden uh, Brett Favre showing up to practice the next day. And here we go. But uh, it was a great ride. Never a dull moment with Brett Favre, that's for sure. Yeah. We're with Hall of Famer Alan Fanica on the Eye Test for Two podcast. And Alan, speaking of great quarterbacks, come this August, you're going to be the same age as Tom Brady. Full disclosure, you're sitting here with three Tom Brady fans, so I'll just let you know about that. But same age, he turns 44 in, in, in August. How remarkable do you find him not only playing, but playing at a championship level? That's oh, amazing. I mean, it's amazing. He's, he's done a great job of, of uh, taking care of his body and and, you know, doing the little things. Uh, you know, the older you get in this league, uh, the, the more things you have to do just to maintain uh, what you built up to. Right. You hit your peak. How long can you stay there? And uh, you've got to do all those little things. And, uh, you know, I don't know the whole idea of what's behind the TB12, but apparently it's working. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, it is amazing. And, you know, uh, you know, he's lucky, man. You know, I, w I wish I wish offensive linemen could play into their 40s, you know, uh, very easily. Um, you know, I wish we didn't get tackled, uh, you know, get hit every, uh, you know, every down and all that. But uh, uh, it, it's great, man. I mean, he doesn't look like he's stopping anytime soon. So that's great for him. Yeah. And I, and I know Ira asked you about Heinz Ward. I'll ask you about another former teammate, and that's another quarterback, Ben Roethlisberger. Um, how surprised are you that he's still playing? I mean, he was the class of 2004. He's the last of the quarterbacks. 2004 with Philip Rivers retiring this year and Eli Manning last but how surprised are you that he's still around and and from the inside of the huddle you're with him inside the huddle what makes that guy Ben Roethlisberger such a special quarterback um you know I'm not surprised he's still playing he's always been tough he's always been able to uh play through the injuries and the pain and uh and keep playing so it's not it's not surprising that he's still moving and, and, and going forward uh you know, the things that make Ben great are, are the little things, the, the, the things you can't coach. You can't teach him. You know, he sees the game and is able to predict and move. And uh, uh, those are the things that, you know, he puts teammates in, in, in better situations and makes the guys around him better. And, and that's really the big part, I think, of, of his game is, is how he sees the game. And, and what he does and, and how he goes out there and, and helps the people around him. You know, when I played offensive line, I, you know, I can go destroy this linebacker or I can, you know, get my linebacker, do my job and kind of get a piece of uh, a defensive end for my tackle, you know? So my, my, always, my thought was how can I accomplish my job and help the guys around him? And I think that's kind of what he's doing at the quarterback position is how can I get this done and help guys around me and put them in the right place and, and kind of help them out. Alan, how, how much talking uh, goes on in the trenches, trash talking, Alan, uh, and did you participate? And, <laughs> and specifically, Alan, you know, I, I made the presentation for Warren Sapp, Alan, in, in 2013 uh, as a first-time uh, eligible Hall of Famer, and there was a lot of controversy about whether he'd get in. Michael Strahan was on that ballot. Uh, Alan, and, and when the chips fell, you know, Strahan had to wait and Sapp got in. Uh, so from a trash-talking perspective, and also, Alan, more importantly, from a great player perspective, what, what was it like going up against uh, Big 99? You know, uh, he talked a lot. But, you know, I think, I think a lot of people think we're down in our stances and we're just talking back and forth like it is in the movies. And, uh, man, it's too, it's, we're too tired. We're too we're catching breath and we're trying to figure out what we're doing. We don't have time for all that for the most part. 
win your hands in the dirt. But, uh, you know, afterwards, uh, walking back to the huddle and all that, that's when all the uh, all the fun starts. Uh, you know, I didn't partake in too much of it, but, uh, you know, you, you always let somebody know when you got the best of them. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but Warren was great, man. You know, he uh, he changed and, and, and really played that defensive tackle position different than anybody else. And, you know, when people like to ask you who's the toughest guy you ever went, to get, went against or the hardest guy and, you know, my, my first response is I'll always, always hate giving him the credit because we had so many big battles, but it's Warren. Uh, you know, he played the defensive tackle position. He got wide. He was fast. He was quick. Uh, you couldn't just show up on Sunday and play against Warren. Uh, so much about offensive line play is repetition, doing the same thing in and out, in and out, and getting really good at it. And if you showed up on Sunday to do the same thing against Warren, you weren't going to be successful. You had to start on Tuesday in practice. And whenever we played, I would always pull my scout team guy aside and say, look, we got to work this week. I need you to do this, 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 and this. And I need you to go full out. I need, I need to work and get ready to do different things. So I need you, you to get me ready. I got one more for Alan. Alan, thanks so much for doing this. Um, Alan, um, Bill Cower, Alan, your first three years in the league, you know, the Steelers didn't make the playoffs. Alan, the first three years and then, all of a sudden, here comes 2001 and that great 13-win season. Alan, just talk about a couple of the qualities uh, that, that uh, you know, catapulted Bill Cower to the halls of Canton. Um, what, was so, what was so special about Bill Cower? I think the fire and the energy and the way he was just able to captivate the team. You know, he was always, he was always pushing buttons. He was always doing something pushing these guys here, pushing those guys there, pitting us against each other, pulling us apart. He was always moving parts and, and always motivating. And that, that energy, you know, he just brought that energy day in and day out and, and was always driving us for, for pushing to be better and better. And, you know, some of the best things, uh, you know, he would come in, he would, he would talk to the team every day, even if it was just for five minutes. And, you know, sometimes he'd come in and he'd start talking about, you know, what the other team said. And he's like, I'll tell you later on in the week. Sometimes it never came. He, he was totally lying. He was just trying to get us all riled up. He would never say anything. Uh, but that was just Bill, man. He just, he just found ways, manufactured ways to get everybody pointed in the same direction. You know, there was, you know, a lot of teams that, uh, you know, guys are, you know, contracts or, or, you know, wherever they are in life, you know, everybody's kind of pointing in different directions. And Bill was really good about getting the entire team pointed in one direction for what everybody needed to do at, at their spot in their position, offense, defense, you know, lineman, linebacker, and, and working to do what we needed to do all in the same direction. Alan, I got a couple more too. Ira earlier mentioned Heinz Ward, and I wanted to follow up on this and, and did not, but I'll follow up on it now. As an offensive lineman, I'm sure you can appreciate what Heinz Ward did as a blocker, not just as a receiver, as a blocker. And you're absolutely right about certain things don't show up on a stat sheet. And that's one thing that doesn't show up and unfortunately, you can get penalized in that room, the Hall of Fame Board of Selectors room, because it's not on a stat sheet. Ira knows that well. That's why we call this the eye test. We saw those guys play. We know what Heinz Ward could do. Can you address how good and effective he was as a blocker? Man, he did things that I would, I would try and emulate. Uh, you know, I, I would watch Heinz do something and I'd be like, all right, I need to pick up on that. You know, anytime I'd pull out on the edge and, and just the way he would manipulate people 
and uh, and set them up. He was the king of setting people up and they didn't even know it. Um, and uh, and the smarts, you know, one of the things that I started to do is I, as I played on is I, I learned how to, uh, you know, when you're when you're pulling, I say I'm pulling on a power play to the right. Right. And this guy gets totally get taken out, taken out. He just bites it. Right. You know, a lot of guys, they just stay with that guy. And, you know, I picked this up from Heinz. You, you have a you have a vision for when a guy is out of the play. He's taking himself out. Let's go get somebody else. I totally learned that from Heinz watching him play out there. He had such a good vision for figuring out who was who was going to be a, a, an effect on defense and who wasn't. And just the things he did out there were amazing. And, you know, if you put a highlight reel of, of him and his hits and his blocks uh, and what he was able to do on the field, uh, it'd be really long. All right. I think when Heinz becomes a finalist, we can let Alan present him, all right, to the board. Heck of a case for Heinz board. Heck of a case, Alan. Yeah. Um, a couple of things. One, in, in, in 13 seasons, you played with three teams. You only missed, to the best of my recollection, two games. You played in 206 games. What's the secret to your durability? Because we've got some people, in fact, Tony Baselli is, is one of the candidates, as you know, now still waiting to be tapped by Canton. And, and he wasn't as durable. That wasn't his fault. He had a box surgery. That wasn't his fault. But you played an extraordinary number of games. And that always came up when your candidacy was discussed there. How do you explain that? And what do you attribute it to? You got to be lucky. Everybody's got to be a little bit lucky, right? There's how many guys could have blown a knee out, uh, you know, and just a, a fraction of a second in the wrong place at the wrong time. Um, but you got to take care of your body. You know, uh, you got to you got to spend the hours away from your family and go see the doctor, see the masseuse and see the chiropractor and stay late and show up early, do the hot and the cold. And, uh, uh, and you got to do all those things and you got to take care of your body. And, you know, I would try and teach guys that. And, you know, when they would come up and I've had guys later on in their career, you know, or, or afterwards and be like, man, I should have listened to you. I should have, you know, uh, should have done that, you know, and, uh, you know, that, that's, that's the, the big, the big piece of it. And, and the other pieces, you got to play through pain. You just hands down, you got, you have to play. I mean, I, one year I, I, I tore ligaments in my wrist and I wore a cast and played, uh, the last six, seven, eight games of the, of the season. And, uh, uh, you know, it, it hurt like hell every, every single game. So, uh, you know, you got to play through pain. That's uh, if you can't do that, uh, you're not going to get anywhere near. Well, I think the other thing we admire about you is not only durability, but it's flexibility. I mean, when they needed a left tackle in Pittsburgh, you move from left guard to left tackle and you were able to play that big difference between the two, one you more challenging than the other. Uh, you know, the, the pass protection is a little different and challenging. It was, uh, I, I've done some of it in the past, you know, in college and stuff, but, uh, uh, the rhythm, like I said earlier, you know, repetition and, and, and being in that comfort level is, is important. Uh, but, you know, honestly, I and I'm, I messed with uh, all my left tackles after that point, man. So you guys are cheating out there, man. It was just easy. Uh, uh, I never I never felt fresher and more, uh, you know, uh, uh, say, you know, body felt the greatest at the end of the season than I did that season because you're just so far away from everything. When you're at guard, you're just in the middle of everything. You know, there's you're, you're never on the backside of a play at, at left tackle. You know, if a play goes to the right, all I got to do is go cut off a linebacker. And that's, you know, I got that. That's easy. I'm going to go get that. I can, I can go cut off the backside linebacker. And uh, 
I'm not, I'm not, you're just not banging. You're not banging near as much, but, uh, you know, I was telling, uh, I was telling somebody this and, uh, uh, they, they, they kind of corrected me a little bit and they were like, well, not everybody is Alan Fanica. And I was like, okay, <laughs> fair. That's fair. That's fair criticism. I'll take that. I'll, I'll go with that. Um, last question for you. Do you know who's going to present you? Have you decided? I have not decided. I've got a couple people uh, that are finalists, if you want to call it that way, that I'm thinking about. Uh, just a really tough decision, man. Just tough to, uh, you know, who's going to kind of represent you. And there's so many people that have, have touched my, my life and my football life uh, that it's uh, it's been hard to kind of think about. You know, I, actually, one other. When I contacted you, you said, uh, thanks very much. I'll get back to you. I'm on the field right now. Are you coaching or are you thinking of coming back to the Steelers? Again? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm, I'm coaching some high school football right, right. now. And uh, we're in the right. middle of a, a spring season that we're playing. We got a five game season. So, uh, yeah, I was on the field uh, coaching the guys uh, yesterday. Oh, terrific. They're lucky to have you. Alan Fanica, thanks for the time. We're lucky to have you, too. And congratulations again. I guess Ira will see him and Ira, we will see you. I mean, uh, Alan, we will see you at uh, the Steelers reunion party in Canton in August. It's going to be a lot of people. You, Donnie Shell, Bill Coward, Troy Palomar. It's going to be pretty nice. It's going to be great. Can't wait. Alan, I might, uh, I might be able to call Sap and get him to come out to your uh, spring games <laughs> over there and help you a little bit. All right, let's do it. We need some help on defense, too. <laughs> Alan Fanica, thanks so much. Really appreciate it. My pleasure, guys. Anytime. It's been fun. Thanks, Alan. Thanks. Ira, uh, love to hear him talk about Heinz Ward. Love talking about Heinz Ward. We need to get him in the room. You know, he, 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 he epitomizes the eye test for two, Clark. Absolutely. As much as anybody out there, he does. No question. Well, yes, sir. That's our weekly I Was There segment, Ira. And you know... Where, 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 where the heck were you, Clark? Where San were Diego, you? San Diego Jack Murphy Stadium. You know when it was? I'm, I'm, I'm going to guess 2003. Oh, come on. No, come on. I, I go on. way back, way back. I'm going to October 23rd, 1984. Now you're going, what? I'm at who? What? That was the Eric Coriel teams, right? And the yeah. Chargers were playing their hated rivals, the Raiders, Los Angeles Raiders at that time. They were playing them at Jack Murphy Stadium. They're trailing late in the fourth quarter. Kellen Winslow catches a pass going over the middle from right to left. And I think you know what happened. He's going right to left. Jeff Barnes. Raiders linebacker is actually going left to right. They meet in the center of the field. Barnes met with the middle of Kellen Winslow's right knee, and that was it. He was stretched out on the field. They brought out the, the stretcher, brought out the gurney, carried him off the field. He gave a thumbs up to everyone, and I went, oh, my God, that looked bad. It was really bad. Now, at that point, Kellen was the NFL's leading receiver as a tight end. He had 55 catches through seven games. He missed the first game because he held out for a contract situation. But seven games, 55 catches, that works out to, I think, 119 over a 15-game schedule. It was astonishing what he was doing. He didn't play again that season. And then when we heard from the team physician, Dr. Gary Losey, uh, after the game, I think it was a couple days later, he had done a surgery. He did the surgery on Kellen. He goes, he tore the ACL, he tore the MCL, he tore the PCL. And I didn't know what a lot of those were. I thought they might be like, uh, you know, the, the PCL might have been a Pacific Coast lane up the highways. So no, posterior cruciate ligament. But he described the right knee as looking like, quote, 
loose spaghetti like a couple of mop ends, unquote. And it was after that they said, we're not going to have the team physician talking to you guys anymore. He was a little bit too direct. Anyway, um, he said afterwards, he'll never be 100% again. We hope he'll be 95. Well, he was never 95 again. He was never the same. He came back after that game and played part of the next season, 1985 season. But uh, he was never the same and retired after the 1987 season. That remains our one of the worst injuries I've ever witnessed in person. And yet, rightly so, Kellen Winslow was elected in his third year of eligibility to the Pro Football Hall of Fame in 1995. You know, Clark, in, in the mid-80s, guys did not catch 100 footballs in a season. They didn't. And he was well on his way. Wow, what a fantastic season for Kellen Winslow. And that's after he had already built a Hall of Fame career. No question. Yeah, that's, that's correct. And, and really, next to Jerry Rice, of the guys that I covered in person, he was the most talented I've ever seen. Wes Chandler was in there, too, but Kellen could do anything. But uh, sad story, but still a Hall of Fame career for a great tight end. Our final thoughts. Final thoughts, Clark. Maybe you can uh, help me on this. I, I really don't understand what Russell Wilson's problem is in Seattle. I, I don't understand it. I Sounds think like it's Pete Carroll. To, Sounds like it's um, Pete Carroll. You know, I don't know. Clark, he's got two great receivers. Yeah. I mean, two great ones. Um, they win 12 games every year. He didn't play very well in the playoff game against the Rams. He didn't play well. So, you know, I don't know if he's blaming other people, Clark, but I want to hear more about why Russell Wilson wa wants out of the Pacific Northwest. I don't really get it. Well, I think it's his offensive line. He's getting killed. He's been sacked more than anybody else during his career. And I think he's basically saying to management, draft some people to protect me, for God's sakes. We can't go farther unless I can be healthy. And, and I think you saw him wind down last year because of the, the beating he had taken. But that's my guess. And listen, I'm not inside that building, but I've heard some things uh, just reading and, and talking to some people there that um, maybe it's a dissatisfaction with what's going on in terms of management, who they're taking and who they're putting in front of him. But he has taken a beating anyway. Well, well you know what? We just heard from our, our, our thanks very much. Appreciate it. Um, but now I'll be honest with you. We'd like to hear from you out there. And I'm talking about listeners. We'd like to hear from you out there. And Ian, please tell them, please tell the people listening to this podcast how they can reach us. They should know by now, but if not, they should. It's the eye test for two on Twitter. That's all letters, no numbers. And if we don't hear from you, Ira, guaranteed you're going to hear from us next week right back here at where, Ira? The eye test for two, Clark. The eye yeah. test for two. You got it. Eye test for two. Thanks so much for listening. See you next week. <laughs>